0: Hello, creeps. I'll be your ghost. I mean, host. As we delve the crypts of spooky movies and even spookier theory. Welcome to Horror Vanguard.
1: Yeah, we, we stand firmly against the revisionist Weedonites. Uh, they, they, are, they are paper tigers, in, in, on the field of revolutionary struggle within horror cinema and they will be crushed completely.
0: Yeah, ca- ca- cast aside your feudal lord. <laughs> you, you do not need the shackle placed upon you by Whedon. Anyway, let's, let, let, let's, let's rock and or roll. I'm a materialist in my film criticism. By that I mean, I recognize that the textual is material. The text of a piece of art is alike to the fruit of the tree, The apple, if you will. The apple grows only by way of seeds, leaves, trunks, bark, root, and other aspects of the tree. We do not see these systems. They are merely the byproduct of the apple. The apple is not its flesh, its skin, or its seeds. The apple is an ideology. Our apple-centric view of the text is a psychogenic rot in the subconscious of our culture. We cannot see material systems, even when they birth, through great pains and efforts, our arts. We are trained not to see them. This is our doom. Dear listener, this is not to be misconstrued as a crass materialism. This is an ontology driven by gothic materialism that cannot be reduced to molecules and physics. When you stand in the copse of a woods and breathe deeply, that peace that you feel, that inner calm, that magic, that is a materiality. That is a material expression of something divine. We can talk about how art goes back to influence the material, but it's ultimately back to the material we must go. The other way lies not an immaterial counter, but an ideological kaleidoscope. The great men of history, the auteur, the text is something that can be freestanding and outside of the world that made it. Those are refractions of an ideology and not an ontology of their own. So we must ask ourselves, whose ideology we see through when we theorize the apple. Even under the slightest scrutiny, we realize quickly that it is not our own, not our history, not our thoughts, not our world. Cabin in the Woods precludes the existence of the tree. It is an apple devoid of its flesh, its seeds, its very skin. This is an ideology of horror devoid of horror's materiality. Here, a twist emerges. Rather than being the downfall of Cabin in the Woods, this status as an ideological object does us, as critics, a favor. It binds and lashes this ideology back to our world, its world. It reinscribes its ideology of horror back to our material horror. It can only enter our world by referencing our magics, even though it so desperately wishes to deny them. And magics they are. Our materiality of horror contains within itself the space for the occult. It is a materiality informed first and foremost by Gothic Marxism. We are not the economists of horror cinema. We are its dread sorcerers. To return again to a favorite piece of wisdom, the address of the metaphysical is the physical. Cabin in the Woods is conjured and bound. It is fixed into a Gothic materialist framework, a framework in which dread sorcerers find themselves at advantage. We will now conjure the flesh, the skin, the seeds of the apple back into the ideological fruit. Join us as we discuss Cabin in the Woods.
1: Uh, Let's go. Yes. (laughs) That That was, that was, that was, that was some shots being fired. Um, yes, that was so good. Uh, and and perhaps the uh the the kind of clearest articulation in a while of like what it is we want to do on this show great work um where do you want to start then
0: and and maybe he's invoking that but that's not what the fuck are you doing dude (laughs) It's my only comment on
1: that is like shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just awful. It's just nonsense. Um, and th- it, this this kind of brings up a kind of bigger question, which is like this film presents horror and and specifically kind of like uh, supernatural monsters as essentially a kind of means by which a greater supernatural power is placated, right? It's a kind of pressure valve in the collective cultural imagination, in the mass psychodrama of human civilization. Um, but it it doesn't seem to kind of really follow through on that because the no. ending gets completely buried under, under its uh, orgy of spectacle because it thinks that's what the audience wants to see. But it's like, it raises a sort of bigger question, which is like, what is horror for? And really this is the thing that kind of robs the ending of so much of what could be interesting about it um, is that there is the potential for us to think about horror in, in bigger ways as being more than just entertainment, but as having a kind of like ontological function that there is, maybe there's a part of, part of all of us that is drawn to kind of spectacle and violence and and horror is a useful place to which we in which we can explore and examine things like fear and trauma and death and the monstrous in in a kind of like culturally uh quasi universal way but this film is like ah uh, well uh, you just want to see the monsters tear people apart it's like yeah
0: yeah ugh. yeah yeah, the, the movie. So, so horror does have these ritualistic components to it, right? And and they, they weave back into the material realities we live in, right? Like horror is a way we have of communicating. Art is communication, right? And 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 Joss is boiling it all down. Cabin in the Woods boils it all down into like this this icor, right? Like this this awful thing. That's just like, oh, oh, you want you want to see her her take her top off? You wanna you wanna see it? The clown? You
1: do you know who it? The clown is? Do you? Like, do you get it? It's like the, fil- the film sort of get like gets right in your face and is just yelling. Do you get it? Do you? Do you get it yet?
0: Well, this, this entire movie, if I could sum up the entire movie in one phrase, it's it's like you're on a date and you say you like horror movies, and your date looks at you and goes like. Yeah, but like, do you know the second act of Reptilicus? Because if you don't know what happens in the second act of Reptilicus, you're not really like a horror fan, are you? You're just like, you know, whatever, right? Like like that's this entire movie. Yeah. This entire movie is strapping you it's, it's the Levitico treatment, but it's telling you you're not really into horror because you're not, you're not good enough.
1: And it's 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 the worst most tiresome thing. Uh, it, it this you're completely right this film is the embodiment of the very worst aspects of fan culture's gatekeeping where you can't be a real horror fan unless you can spot all of the references in the cube reveal scene. Uh, and it's like you, you, how how dare you say that you're making a love letter to horror like one of the famously one of the most inclusive um, kind of ways of exploring stories. Where you don't have to know everything, but you just have to have a damn good idea. Um, and how dare you, like, turn that turn it around? And be like, well, you know, do you, do you know who do you know who Pinhead is? It's like, come on,
0: like, and that's a. You know, this is like a Twitter joke at this point, but like this, this movie is legitimately gatekeepy. You know, like, it has that attitude, right? It, it's saying, like, no, horror is for this exclusive community that understands all of these references and jokes. If you're not smart enough to recognize the tropes that we're recognizing, you don't belong here. Like, that's what this movie is actively communicating to you. And I think I think this gets us to, to, the, to the next kind of thing we want to talk about here, and that's, like, what is horror for?
1: Yeah. Yeah, this, this is the big question, right? Um... And there is, I, I honestly don't think there is a single, there is a single universal and correct answer here. But this, this idea of uh, what anthropologists call the right of terror, right—the fact that there are certain rituals, uh, certain things that we enact as kind of coming-of-age rituals—that uh, are, att- that are attempts to both um, give you something to have overcome and to bond you with a community—and uh, there's, there's plenty of kind of like arguments that you could make that you can treat horror movies as, as the same way. Carol Clover actually talks about this in, in men, women and chainsaws, right? Why is it that these, these, uh, these men were going to see these films when they were, you know, in their late teens, early twenties, it was a kind of moment of coming into consciousness. I mean, the messages that they were absorbing were mostly terrible, but that's not really the point. Or, you know, you can take my kind of position on it, which is like, horror has a kind of utopian, uh, element of overcoming of monsters, right a kind of uh, plenty of work, especially by um, LGBT and queer uh, academics and film writers have talked about horror as a space in which things like a trauma and identity and difference get processed as well what what, what do you think?
0: We hope you've enjoyed the dread discourse until next week. Stay spooky.
1: Okay, I, I, I feel like I can't dance around this any longer, um, I, and I, I, don't, I, I don't feel good about this, but I don't think Buffy the Vampire Slayer is that good.